My name's Katie. I'm Sam. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Two Ghouls Podcast. There is no way that I'm that drunk. That I'm so scared. Like, and I'm really high. That's bullshit. <laughs> oh, just stop moving the fucking flashlight! <laughs> and die. That's how you would die. Definitely the worst ways, though. But they only want to shove you if you give them permission. And his rib cage was protruding from his skin. Oh my god. I'm like, hey, freaking brother. <laughs> that little sucker sunk his fangs right into my hand here. Like, meow, meow, but. Welcome to True Crime Night, everyone. I'm so glad to have you here. Wow, there's eight of you in the chat. That's amazing. We always who are you people? Who are you? Wearing green. If you see uh, Sam's green shirt, she has her green Luna in. Tonight is manifestation night. What the hell is it? Just winter solstice, or is it winter winter solstice? Yeah. So manifest tonight. All good things for the new year. Can I tell like a very short story about this shirt? Please. I went to go put it on, right? This was originally a long sleeve sweater. What? <laughs> and and there was never guess that. There was a string hanging from the sleeve. So I went to pull the string <laughs> off and it split all oh, the way oh. down. Well the shit, sleeve. it looks good. Like <laughs> I said, oh, there's Danny. <laughs> Hi Danny. It looks good, bitch. What the hell? So I just cut the sleeves off. So it's a little uneven, but I'll okay. I'll fix it up later. It doesn't matter. Can't even so, notice it. Yeah. Just barely. If you look close enough, you could see the rips. But don't look closely. Don't look closely. <laughs> and it looks amazing with your tattoos. I think. Thank you. That's <laughs> basically what I said. Oof. It's true crime night. True crime night. Sam's first uh, debut back yeah. since having a baby. Yeah, first uh, first time back to doing true crime since uh, Rain was born. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I'm a little out of shape on this. But uh, you guys, give me some grace. And tonight we're covering the John Benet Ramsey case. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I did want to give a disclaimer as to how I'm approaching covering this case. Because this case happened 26 years ago, I think. It's still unsolved. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of conspiracy theories as to who done it, mm-hmm. who, who did it. Um, I'm not getting into those conspiracy theories tonight. I'm not getting into theories. I'm, I'm just giving you the facts. And if there's something in the evidence that makes me go, hmm, I'll tell you. But I'm not going to get into all of the theories about this person and that person and, and these two people and, and exactly. th- that person. I'm not going to get into all of the conspiracy theories. But maybe in the future we can go back, back to yeah. the case. Yeah. Um, and I did want to also say I've got wine in the Ooh, in your mug. mug. So oh. if you guys didn't know, we have every Monday we do Ugg Mug Mondays, which is only on our audio only platforms. Um aside from this past Monday, we also posted yeah. it on our YouTube. Um yeah. but this is the mug that ins- inspired Ugg Mug Monday. Yes. Uh, because I use this on Mondays. I mean, I'm sure, you Monday. Guys can, I'm sure you guys can agree that this is a fitting mug for a Monday. Yeah. I have wine in it right now. 
<laughs> Should have asked Joey to bring me a four loco. He picked up a Hawaiian punch. A four loco? <laughs> Katie. He's got a four loco in the other room. <laughs> oh, boy. Ooh, that would get me on my ass, though. I'm good. <laughs> I'll pass. Do you want to do trigger warnings for me? Yes, I do. Let me pull that up from last week. Hold on. All right. Sweet. So, um, actually, I wonder if I could do it from heart. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> no, I'll try it. <laughs> All right, trigger warning. So, if descriptive, supposedly true stories, and this one is very true today, this so is trigger true. warning, yeah. uh, centering around gory real-life topics, paranormal encounters, and or anything surrounding extremely descriptive true narratives involving terror, murders, sexual interactions, mental health, anything violent or potentially cruel in nature, if it's potentially triggering for you, then this podcast is not for you. You've been warned. I'm going to give an additional trigger warning for this case is that it's it's very violent. It's very brutal. Again, it's unsolved. It, it, oh, David said, David, what's a four loco? What's a four loco? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we got to show you, David. <laughs> oh, man. Um, it, it's unsolved. It involves a child. Uh, and there is some evidence that points to essay. So those are those are my additional trigger warnings. So whoo, here we go. Back into the game. All right. I'm about to dive in. I'm gonna give you guys a little bit of a backstory. Let me know if I'm too loud, by the way. You're not too loud. Okay, perfect. I'm gonna get also I have my notepad here in my lap. Uh, I don't have it on the desk because every time that I put it on the desk, I end up muting myself by accident. <laughs> the OG right. ghouls will remember back me you- <laughs> back in the day. Back in the day. So <laughs> it stays right here now. So I'm going to give you guys some backstory as to uh, who John Benet's parents are. Her dad, his name is John Bennett Ramsey. He's had three wives, by the way. He is now remarried. Uh, Patsy, John Benet's mom, was his second wife. He's remarried again. And he actually has five kids in total, three of them from his first marriage, two from his marriage with Patsy, Ooh. and then none with his current wife, as far as I know. So... John Bennett, the dad, he is very rich. He's got a lot of money. He's a CEO of a company, of a multi-million dollar company. Hmm. He's got a master's degree that he got from Michigan State University in business administration. He had a bachelor's in electrical engineering. He also served in the military for like 11 years, I think. Um In 1989, he formed Advanced Project Group, which is one out of three of the businesses that merged into Access Graphics, which is the business that he became the CEO of. Um, So he became the president and CEO of Access Graphics, and that was a computer services group. Um, And it was part of Lockheed Martin, huge multi-million dollar company. You know, mm. so in 1996, the year that John Bonet was born, this says uh, Access Graphics grossed one billion dollars. Wow. The year that she, not, not not the year that she was born. I'm so sorry. Not the year that she was born. The year that she died, mm. the year that John Bonet died, they grossed one billion dollars. Wow. 
That's insane. That is insane. And John was named, quote, Entrepreneur of the Year by Boulder Chamber of Commerce. And, and wow. they were in Boulder, Colorado at this point. Um, after his daughter was murdered, he was temporarily replaced. And the business said so that the company didn't have to bother him about business matters as he grieved. Hmm. He returned a couple of weeks after she was murdered. You're kidding me. No. Oh my God. And in 1997, so the year after she was murdered, Access Graphics was sold to General Electrics. What? Mm-hmm. Now, Patricia, or Patsy Ramsey, the mom, she actually died in 2006. It was either from uterine cancer or from cervical cancer. Uh, so she died. But... She won Miss West Virginia in 1997. She went to West Virginia, uh, West Virginia University, which is actually where Danny went. She was in a sorority. Um, she got a bachelor's in journalism. Her sister also won Miss West Virginia. Whoa. In 1980. Um, and then her and John moved to Boulder for business and this was in 1991 so they had both of their children burke and uh john bonnet hey, <laughs> what are you crying for okay oh, am i muted mm -mm. okay i hit a button <laughs> so john bonnet was born in 1990 uh and they moved to boulder in 1991 Burke okay. was a little bit older than her. So when she was about a year old, they moved to Boulder for uh, John's business. And she entered John Bonet into a bunch of beauty pageants because she's a, mm. a pageant queen. You know, her sister is also a pageant queen. So that's what she did with her kids. Sure. So Christmas Day, 1996. The Ramsey family goes to another family's home for Christmas dinner. And John Bonet supposedly fell asleep in the car on the way home back to their house. Excuse me. And they took her, they took her straight to bed. They, mm -hmm. you know, like your kid falls asleep in the car. Yep. You take him out of the car. You try not to wake him up and you take him straight to bed. Yep. But on the 26th of December, so the next morning at 5.52 in the morning, a 911 call comes through uh, from Patsy Ramsey into Boulder Police. So let's see. I actually let, – let's go ahead and do the 911 phone call. I okay. have a link right here uh, on my phone. That actually has a transcript of the 911 phone call with an analysis of it because wow. it's weird. One second, I'm pulling it up. Oops. Okay. <clears throat> so the transcript goes 911 emergency. And Patsy says, police, what's going on? 755 15th Street. What's going on there, man? We have a kidnapping. Hurry, please. 
explain to me what's going on. We have a, there's a note left. Our daughter is gone. A note was left and your daughter is gone. Yes. How old is your daughter? She's six years old. She's blonde, six years old. How long ago was this? I don't know. I just found a note and my daughter is missing. Does it say who took her? What? Does it say who took her? No, I don't know. It's there. There's a ransom note here. It's a ransom note. It says SBTC victory, please. Okay. What's your name? Patsy Ramsey. I'm the mother. Oh my God, please. Okay. I'm sending an officer over. Okay. Please. Do you know how long that she's been gone? No, I don't. Please. We just got up and she's not here. Oh my God, please. Okay. Please send somebody. I am. Please take a deep breath for me. Okay. Hurry, hurry. Patsy, Patsy, Patsy. Now, here's where the analysis comes in. After Patsy terminated the call, the line appeared apparently stayed open. Patsy thought that she hung up, but the line apparently stayed open, so it must have not been on the receiver all of the way, right? Oh, boy. She may not have placed a phone uh, properly on the cradle. The 911 phone call operator thought that she heard three faint voices in the background. Audio experts enhanced the recording to see if they could make out what was being said. They thought that they may have heard John Ramsey, the dad, say, we're not talking to you. Patsy Ramsey say, quote, what did you do? And Burke Ramsey, the brother, say, quote, what did you find? If you listen to the enhanced recording, it is difficult to make out any of those statements. Therefore, these statements are inconclusive. Hmm. So let's see. This is a deeper analysis of the actual transcript. So when 911 says, what's going on there, ma'am? And Patsy says, we have a kidnapping. Hurry, please. When the 911 operator asked Patsy Ramsey what was going on, she replied, we have a kidnapping. Hurry, please. Notice that Patsy's please, uh, Patsy's plea for lack for help lacks specifics. Mm. She did not tell the 911 operator who was kidnapped. We would expect her to say, my daughter or our daughter has been kidnapped. Most people do not want to lie and will avoid telling a lie. When people do decide to lie, they will often not tell a direct lie. Mm -hmm. They will soften the lie saying my, saying my daughter has been kidnapped may be a direct lie. Saying we have a kidnapping may be a lie that lacks specifics. Mm -hmm. So the 911 operator saying, explain to me what's going on. And Patsy saying, we have a, there's a note left on our, and our daughter is gone. At this point, the 911 operator only knows that there has been a kidnapping. She doesn't know who has been kidnapped. Therefore, she asked Patsy, explain to me what's going on. Patsy responded, we have a, there's a note left and our daughter is gone. Patsy has an unfinished sentence. We have a, it appears as she was going to repeat what she told the 911 operator in her previous statement, we have a kidnapping. However, this time she could not make that statement. Perhaps she couldn't lie twice. Hmm. She then said, there's a note left. She referred to the three-page handwritten letter as a note. We will see if her personal dictionary remains consistent. She finished this sentence by saying, our daughter is gone gone hmm. mm -hmm. 
Order is important. This sentence appears to be out of order. She first told the 911 operator about the note. Then she told her that their daughter was gone. The most important thing is that John Bonet is missing. That should have been the first thing that was in that sentence to the 911 officer or Mm -hmm. operator. Patsy said that their daughter was gone. We will see how her personal dictionary plays out in regards to the word gone. This may be a truthful statement. There was a ransom note in the house and John Bonet was gone and actually deceased. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to move on to the analysis of the ransom note. So I'm actually going to read you guys the three page handwritten ransom note that was found mm. at the bottom of the stairs in the Ramsey home uh, that Patsy is referencing in this 911 phone call. And we'll, we'll talk more about it later too. So here is the transcript to the actual note. I'm going to zoom in. Mr. Ramsey, listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represent a small foreign faction. We respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have... Uh, your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed. And if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate size attached to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise that you be rested. If we monitor you, you if we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for proper proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise that you do not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog... She dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices, and if they are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of killing your daughter if you tried to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to try to grow a brain, John. You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't under uh, underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. Uh, it's up to you. Hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the first things that we notice is that this is a very long ransom note. It's it's three pages long. Yeah. 
most ransom notes are very short and to the point. We mm-hmm. have so-and-so. This is what we want. Get it to us. And and that's it. That's that's a ransom note. Yes. That's a typical ransom note. Southern. <laughs> <laughs> um, quote, we have your kid and she is safe. It'll cost you 500000 to get her back. Do not call the police. We'll be contacting you. That's a normal ransom note. Yeah. Like we just said. This ransom note being so long and drawn out is our first clue that this is bogus, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm definitely noticing a lot of the inconsistencies so far. Mm-hmm. And, it's even and this is just the beginning. Oh. And line number two where it says we are a group of individuals. What exactly does the writer mean by group of individuals? Every group is cons- is. Uh, comprised of individuals. Seems like someone's trying to be very, very specific, which means like they're lying. You know what mm. I mean? That's my they're, they're, so It's like they're overly giving mm-hmm. details. It's exactly what to I meant. try and make it sound believable, overly but in reality, they're making it sound unbelievable, even more unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So in in line two and three that they, quote, represent a small foreign faction. The use of the word small doesn't make sense. Excuse me. A kidnapper would want to exhibit power over the Ramses. So using the word small doesn't do that. If Mm. you were trying to exhibit power, you would say, we're a big group of people. We're big and strong, and we have lots of power and would be able to exert that over you. Why would you say that we're a small Foreign yeah. faction. And also, what does it being foreign have anything to do with the situation? Yeah. What the weird. Fuck? That is weird. Huh. Um, I'm following. And line number three, the writer states, we respect your, your business. Everything a person says has a meaning. There's a reason why the writer included this in the ransom note. If Patsy Ramsey... The mom was the author of the ransom note. She may have mentioned this to create distance between John's company and the investigation or the crime to separate the two. Okay. Let's see. She is protecting their source of income. If she's the person who wrote this at the very least mentioning respect for his business tells us the writer knows something about John Ramsey and his business access graphics. If a psychopath who was infatuated with John Bonet because of her being in the pageant scene uh, killed her, I doubt that he would mention respect for, Mm. for John's business. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Let's leave it at that. I think that that's a that's a good just basic analysis of some of the first yeah, inconsistencies. Intrigued so far. Right? Oh my goodness. All right. So let's see where are we at. So I watched a very specific documentary uh, to get a lot of my information about this case. Um, and and this documentary was made by a journalist named Lawrence Schiller and the New Yorker magazine at the time that this case was going on actually sent Lawrence Schiller to find out the whole story of what was actually going on because what happened when when the news of John Bonet being murdered came out 
it was all over the tabloids and all of the tabloids were like, oh, well, well, what if this person did it? And what, well, what if this person did it? And her pictures were plastered all over the tabloids, but there was no substance Mm. to what was being published in the media as to what was actually going on. Mm -hmm. So the New Yorker, that's why they send out Lawrence Schiller to figure out what is actually going on, not just like the tabloid bullshit. Like we want to know what's actually happening. So uh, John Bonet's death was the talk of the nation. Many magazines with her face on the cover and conspiracies about who done it, but no one had all of the answers. I apologize for the cats. They're going nuts. Schiller has an extensive archive of evidence um, he interviewed eyewitnesses, he interviewed law enforcement officers, investigators, scientific and forensic expert, experts, criminologists, and he also interviewed 100 plus people directly wow. involved with this case. So he is the person who wrote the book uh, Perfect Murder, Perfect Town, hmm. which he used all of his – oh my god, Daria – She's got the, she's got the kitty cat crack eyes where she's like she's ready to roll. Chill. <laughs> it's true crime night. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So no, distracting. It's okay. So Perfect Murder Perfect Town is considered one of the definitive narratives of this case because of the sheer amount of evidence and <laughs> she's running around the circle. There she goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm trying to be serious, Daria. She looked like You're the me as a baby. A bad review. She's like, wee, wee. <laughs> You're gonna get us a bad review, Daria. They're I'm cats. Gonna, I'm, <laughs> it's gonna be their cats and like two stars. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> so um, because his book was like the definitive true narrative of this case, he was also asked to direct a movie up about the case. And uh, that was a dramatized movie. Um, but it was based, it was like one of those based on a true story movies. Yeah. Um, because this was during Christmas time, the police department was very understaffed. So, Ah. literally almost everybody was on vacation for for christmas right they had one detective at the scene uh they had one cop at the door no one at the back door they couldn't bring in more staff fast enough to to handle something so serious considering how serious it ended up being the crime scene that's shocking that only one cop and one detective was i know wow so uh stephen pitt who is a forensic psychiatrist yeah says let's be honest the b team was on that day talking about like Mm -hmm. you know like in football where there's like a second string yeah it was like the second string of of cops i see mm mm-hmm So, let's see. The police were told not to take any marked cars to the scene. But their response to that was, oops, too late. We've got, like, four cop cars out here right now. Uh. Like, whoopsie. And Patsy, the mom, she starts calling a bunch of her friends and her pastor being like, can you come over? 
Because our daughter's missing. So she had like a total, I think it was four friends, two couples, but four friends. And then her pastor come over to our house. What? While the cops are there. crime scene is literally going on. Uh, Well, they didn't know. They didn't know, quote, quote. They didn't know. Yeah. So in Schiller's 1997 interview of uh, Pam Griffin, Pam Griffin, which was one of the friends that was there that that uh, Patsy invited over, she said, quote, when I got there, talking about Patsy, when I got there, she just kept saying, they've killed my baby. She reached up and touched my face and said, quote, couldn't you fix this for me? That's what she said to her friend. So, also, not to mention, with the ransom note, um, it was written on a notepad from their kitchen. I heard that. So, you're telling me somebody came in, kidnapped your daughter, and sat down at your kitchen counter, took Mm. your notepad, and wrote down a three-page long ransom note while y'all are all still in the house and then walked out with your kid shady no. shit there, to me there's no possibility of that none hmm. who has the time to sit down and write a three-page ransom note at the scene of a crime when you're well, trying they to supposedly have kidnapped a child in, in their arms it's like hold yeah. on guys gotta write this down like what? Mm-mm. Not believing yeah. it. Very okay. strange. I'm following. T. T for sure. Oh, my shirt got caught in the mic. <clears throat> so, I actually talked to Katie about this last night. So, there has been handwriting analysis done mm. on the ransom note. And it's been confirmed that John, the dad, he did not write the ransom note. His handwriting does not match up. But Patsy, it was not confirmed that she did not write the note. Mm. And there's been several handwriting analysis people that have said, we we think that she wrote the note, mm. that she wrote the ransom note. And personally, I saw a side-by-side of a couple of, of things of her handwriting and the ransom note and it's spot on and katie Mm. i don't know if you saw it did it's in the misc doc if you wanted to pull up the article you don't have to read it but yeah oh the side by side let me pull up that's pretty fucking damning yeah because like i said it's like spot on Mm -hmm. one second i'm gonna pull up the the misc doc miss handwriting from john benet okay let's see if there's a side by side here we can just show a side by side instead of reading the article which i also appreciate you you doing this absolutely okay oh this is kind of hard to see Mm. but i'm gonna show my screen anyways so let's see can i zoom in no over here you'll see it says ransom oh. note and there's a couple of letters like a <gasps> d another a 
another A, B, B, B. Oh, they're exactly the same. These all look exactly the same. That is unreal. Oh my God. I've seen not only just letters, like comparing of of certain letters but also of whole words the way that patsy wrote the that mm. it's exactly the same as the ransom note i mean there's in my brain there's no denying it that's just my opinion mm. let's see wow oh, my shirt got cut again let's see so the ransom note said that there was going to be a phone call between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., uh, but no call ever came. Like the cops had something hooked up to the phone to be able to track where the what the phone number was that the sure. call was coming from, where it was coming from, you know, mm-hmm. but no call ever came. So when it didn't come, the cops decided that the house needed to be searched again, top to bottom. And what did they fucking do? Linda Arndt, she was the first detective on the scene. She lost sight of John Ramsey for an hour and a half. So what's normally supposed to happen in situations like this, where there's somebody that's gone missing, you're in a residence. Everybody that is in that residence is supposed to be split up and watched. You don't take your eyes off them and you get sworn signed statements from those people. Mm-hmm. And what happened was because there was so they were so understaffed was that Linda Arndt, the detective, she was assigned with watching everybody, not only Patsy Ramsey and John Ramsey, but also Burke and the four different friends and the pastor that were there in a 50, 50- teen bedroom mansion whoa and so john he disappeared where the hell was he at for an hour and a half Mm, mm, mm. so they decided that the house needed to be searched again um also side note there was no sign of forced entry there were no footprints in the snow Mm -hmm. outside there was a broken window but john confirmed that 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 window had been broken months prior to this day so it's like we know that that didn't happen that night so it wasn't like somebody broke a window to enter into the house so we have ron walker um Actually, we'll wait for that. So at 1 p.m., Linda Arndt, the detective, asked John and John's friend, Fleet White, to go search the house again for a second time. She asked them to search the house once, and she asked them to search the house again. Hmm. Why aren't the cops doing the searching? This is so ridiculous. weird. I'm so just strange. blown away. It's just, it was handled so poorly so shitty oh my god oh i turned the page the wrong way whoopsie hold on i love that big notebook i know but it's also really confusing <laughs> it gives pop pop vibes it i know it's just like <laughs> yellow with letter. His, like very big uh big text word searches <laughs> yes yep so john he grabs his friend fleet white and when Linda Arndt says, hey, you need to search the house again. And he says to his friend, we're going to the basement. What? What? <laughs> they go straight to the wine cellar. Uh, 
John slightly opens the door and sees a blanket on the floor. John Benet is underneath that blanket and she's dead. There was a piece of duct tape over her mouth. Who's that sound like? Casey yeah. Anthony, Anthony in the Kaylee Anthony case. Mm-hmm. Her hands were above her head like this. And oh. she her wrists were tied. Um, John picked up John <gasps> Benet's body no. and moved it from the wine cellar in the basement up into the foyer upstairs. Uh. Then Linda Arndt the police detective picks up John Benet from the foyer and moves her to the living room. What the fuck? Not only did she do that, when she moved her, when Linda Arndt moved her to the living room, she picked up a different blanket that was not the one that her body was originally covered with, a different blanket, and covered her body with a different blanket. All right, I'm. this is fucking, something's going on behind the scenes. Not to mention that when John took the tape off of her mouth, he didn't only do that. He took the tape off of her mouth, he untied her wrist, and he kissed her. And then carried her body upstairs. Now, if you guys don't understand why we're kind of upset about this, it's because with doing that, you have decimated any DNA physical evidence about what happened to this child. Yep. As a parent, I don't know what I would do in this situation, but the cops should have been the ones doing it so that mm-hmm. something like that didn't happen. I feel like picking up your kid and kissing them and hugging them and, and trying to revive them would obviously be a, a normal reaction. Absolutely. But the thing is, is that this wasn't the parents or any civilians responsibility to be doing mm-hmm. these searches. And if the cops were doing their job or had the staff on hand, that wouldn't have happened because they would have had people to do the search. Yes. And they would have been the ones to find her body rather than her father. Right. Uh, so the cold and untold been we're, fucked with. Odd and untold. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. Oh. So, um, so the crime scene and all of the evidence is obviously grossly contaminated. Also, like Madeline McCann, how that whole case, all of that evidence was yep. grossly contaminated. And that case is still unsolved because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So Ron Walker, he is an FBI special agent, and he was originally assigned to the case. Uh, he was later told to to leave because the cops didn't want any outside agency involvement Um He said, quote, it just made it impossible to identify a particular person who may have touched or handled something. So John Benet's body was stiff. Mm. Rigor mortis had set in. So she wasn't killed one or two hours before her body was found. She was killed more like 10 to 12 hours before her body was found. She had been dead. For a long time. Okay, that's an interesting. Why is it all of a sudden that the mom's like, my daughter is gone? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you notice that, what, 12 hours ago? 10 right. hours ago? 
Okay. Noted. So let's see. We already talked about that. The inconsistencies are just I know baffling. So the <clears throat> the complete decimation and, and contamination of the crime scene, that alone dictates that the case can't and and won't be solved. Especially in the 90s, just like with Madeline McCann. It's like you don't have that physical evidence and, and you're fucked. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get the answers that you want. So Patsy, she screamed at the pastor uh, saying, quote, God should raise John Bonet from the dead the way that God raised Lazarus. Ra- Lazarus. What? Yeah. Yeah. And then both her and John were completely quiet. Huh. Um. Ron Walker, the FBI special agent, he said that John seemed detached based on his experience in these situations involving dead slash missing children. Parents want to be close and console each other. There was no emotional support from John to Patsy while all of this was going on. Odd. We're going to start getting into more details about uh, the way that John, John Bonet was found <laughs> and, and what was going on with her body. So John Bonet had a cord wrapped around her neck so tightly that it didn't just strangle her. It dug deep into her skin. It was, it was literally, if you look at autopsy pictures or crime scene pictures, which obviously I'm not showing, um, it, it looks embedded <laughs> into her neck. That's how tight it was squeezed. We have Dr. Henry Lee. He is a forensic scientist that was also on this case. What they call this is called a garrote. And this is a tool that's used to strangle somebody to death. This is not just, I I put a rope around your neck. This is, no. I created this tool to to strangle you. Mm. And the reason why they named this a garrote is because there was a wooden dowel that was tied to one end of the rope. So if you could imagine, here's my pen. If you could imagine a rope tied to this part of my pen, and I would be able to put the rope here and hold on to the pen like this or like like this and use it for leverage instead of trying to hold on to a rope like this, you're using this part, that wooden dowel, for Mm. leverage to have a good grip on it Mm. to be able to pull it even tighter. Jesus Christ. If that makes sense. That poor baby. I know. Mm. So Henry, uh, Dr. Henry Lee, uh, it said he said that this garrote, that tool to strangle her, was made and constructed in a pretty sophisticated way. Somebody had to took some time to do that. Now I don't know anything about knots, but I can tell by looking at the knot on the wooden dowel mm-hmm. that was tied that was tied onto the the cord. That's not a knot that I would know how to tie. It was Mm. very intricate and wrapped several times and not just in a way that's like you tied a string around it and tied it several times. It was the knot was like this. It went one side and then the other side and then the other side and then the other side. What? Do you know who knows how to tie knots like that? No. People in the military. Ooh. 
You know okay, what I'm saying? I do. Okay, that's just my opinion, y'all. Don't, don't. Mm. I peeped that. Okay. Okay. So we're going to talk about Dr. Werner Spitz. And we t- actually talked about him in the Casey Anthony case because he was um, the defense's like smoking gun. In the Casey and Kaylee Anthony case, he um, totally disproved everything that the defense uh that the prosecutors had had brought up and that's literally the only reason why casey anthony walked away is because of dr Werner spitz his testimony so he commented in this documentary and he said quote the garage just didn't fit the whole scene because why do you need a handle to a garage when on the other side there's no handle and when you're dealing with a little kid all you need is one hand to strangle her if you want to right sure <clears throat> so police believed and and this is true that the wooden dowel that was tied to the end of the garage came from Patsy's paint supplies from mm. a paintbrush handle. Mm. It was like somebody snapped the the actual paintbrush off of the end and used the paintbrush handle as the garage. Mm. Because they found shreds of the paintbrush handle in the basement. So it's like somebody broke it, made that whole uh, strangling device in the basement, in the wine cellar, and then did it. Mm. Whoever did this broke the brush in the basement and probably made the garage in there too. Now, Ron Walker, the FBI special agent, he said, quote, it's hard to come to the conclusion that one of those people, talking about Patsy or John, uh, would have intentionally asphyxiated their daughter with a garage unless it's to create a picture of something that needed to be created to explain the story. John Binet also suffered a lethal blow to the head. The skin on her on her skull was not broken. There was not an open wound on her head. There was no bleeding outside of her body. Um, so when at the crime scene, they they didn't see that she had a head injury, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there was no blood visible on her body uh, at the crime scene. Let's see. But when they did the autopsy, they were able to see that she had a depressive skull fracture, which was actually like five inches long. It's like oh. this. When you see the x-ray, it is a big skull fracture. Oh, my goodness. It's big. Uh, so she had a depressive skull fracture um, with uh, a severe hematoma, a brain bleed, and brain swelling. So she was so brutalized that um, authorities say that there's no way – at first, authorities say that no parent could inflict that kind of damage mm. on their own child, right? Yeah. But because of this, because the police believed this, the speculation was that an intruder came in, attempted to kidnap her, and then it didn't work. And then they killed her out of rage. 
this, this is what the cops originally think because there's no there's no way that her parents could have done this so yeah must have been an intruder they tried to kidnap her they weren't successful in that and so they killed her in a fit of rage and then they fled out of the house mm-hmm. at first also the coroner couldn't determine whether the blow to the head came first the head injury or she was strangled at first the coroner couldn't determine that but come to come to find out that uh it was first the head injury which absolutely would have knocked her unconscious but may not have killed her sure right then okay and then the strangle the strangulation which they said happened 45 minutes to two hours later so it's almost like somebody knocked her out and hit her so hard thought that they killed her and then i don't know if she came back to regain consciousness or or she made a noise or made a movement and then that's when she was strangled good grief isn't that terrible that's poor baby all i can think of is just a little girl oh my goodness i know and a precious little girl at that i know she was beautiful I know. So the head injury couldn't be seen until the autopsy. So uh, was it intentional? Like the head injury, was it an intentional Mm -hmm. hit to the head or was it accidental? And then it needed to be covered up with something Mm. else, which would be the strangulation. Right. So Dr. Werner Spitz, he says, no doubt in my mind, a flashlight that was in the kitchen on the counter was used and that the head of the flashlight fits perfectly into that direct angular fracture. Mm. Now, the Ramseys, they said, we have no idea whose flashlight that is. We've never seen that flashlight in our life. But Dr. Werner Spitz, a very renowned forensic pathologist, is saying that's what she got hit over the head with. Mm. That's what she got hit with. Like, we can tell. Yeah. But y'all have no idea where that came from. That's And and y'all didn't tell the police about the fact that there was this random big black flashlight on your kitchen counter? Yeah. Okay. Weird. So if some stranger or intruder could brutalize John Bonet this badly, why? And I think um, Odd and Untold touch on this in the comments. If they could brutalize her this badly, why would they cover her with a blanket right. as to comfort her or to care for her body? You know? Yeah. Or to protect her. This is a huge red flag and i wanted to make a connection into uh, the kaylee anthony case is that kaylee anthony was also in blankets mm-hmm. so this is weird so ron walker fbi special agent he says quote i can tell you unequivocally that if you can show me a body has been cared for after the victim was murdered in 99% of the cases, if not a hundred percent of the cases, the perpetrator is someone who intimately is familiar with the victim Mm. because there's always that part that's like, 
I might have done something so terrible, but I still know this person and I want right. to make sure that they're taken care of. But and it might even be a subconscious thing where it's like, I'm going to put a blanket over her because I don't right. want to look at her because I know her. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But it is a sense of care and comfort. Mm -hmm. And it sounds really fucked up because it is. But it's like people who don't know a victim, they don't do that. They don't right. do that. Like, right. let's use an example. Chris Watts, fucking psychopath. Psychopath, yes. narcissist, has no feelings, has no empathy. When yes. he buried Shanann, he threw her in that hole face down. Yeah. He did not care. Mm -mm. He has no feelings. He's still intimately connected, but he didn't give a fuck about her. No, he, he threw didn't. her in the hole face down. Shallow grave and everything. I exactly. Remember. Yeah. But I'm just using true crime that we've mm -hmm. done before to, to make it clear that this is not normal. This is not normal unless it's somebody that genuinely cares about this person to cover them with a quilted blanket, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Auden Untold says her body was clearly in the room out to sea. The blanket wouldn't have been able to hide the body. So that says someone knew her. Right. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> so John, in an interview, said, quote, I can't remember how the blanket was. I don't know if it was thrown on her. All I know is I was trying to undo the rope off of her wrist and I grabbed the duct tape off of her mouth. Um, and I ran her upstairs in case that she was still alive. She was stiff. She was in, in, in rigor mortis. Yes. There was no way that she was still alive. You would have known just by looking at her. Um, now, it's also been report. I'm going to give a, an additional trigger warning. There's not a whole lot of um, talk about this. There's not a whole lot of evidence about this, mm -hmm. but it is reported that she might have suffered some sort of um, sexual abuse before mm -hmm. she was murdered. Um, no one can agree on what type of sexual assault it was that occurred, but we know that she had an abrasion in her genital area. She also had two drops of blood in her in her underwear. So the DA, the um, Alex Hunter, he said, quote, we thought that we had semen when we learned that we didn't. It changed drastically. So they thought that they had originally found semen on her body and it wasn't semen. Um, but also what was said was that there is no way to prove or disprove that she was or was not digitally penetrated. So we've mm. talked about that with the Duggars. If you if you guys don't know what that means, it means penetrated by a digit or like a mm -hmm. finger. Mm -hmm. um, there's no way to prove or disprove it. So that came back inconclusive. Mm. But what we do know is that she had a laceration in her genital area and she had okay. blood in her underwear. Oh, God. That's awful. I know. So one of one of the drops of blood in her underwear was from her, and the other drop of blood in her underwear was not from her, was not from Patsy, was not from John, was not from Burke. It was not from anybody in the house. This is one of the two singular pieces of evidence that 
make you think that there was someone else outside of yeah. the home involved in the case. Yes. Um, this DNA uh, from the blood, this was also underneath her fingernails, which would indicate uh, defense, Aww. like trying to scratch or um, defend herself. And sure. you would get like particles underneath your nails from doing so. Yeah. So and just a tip, guys, if anybody ever tries to fuck with you, you scratch try to scratch the ever loving shit out of them, Please gouge do. their eyeballs out. Get that but DNA, bitch. <laughs> nobody knows whose DNA this is. Mm. And, you know, recently, like, the Golden State Killer was was found doing, <gasps> I think it was through, like, 23andMe type really? DNA stuff. Oh, and man. And I know that a lot of people are hoping that um, that John Bonet's killer will be found yeah. through this same sort of uh, technology. But I, I think, I don't know, I've heard that the DNA evidence is being held hostage by the mm. Boulder police. I don't know how true mm. that is. It may, it may or may not be true, but she also had a bruise on her cheek and she had a bruise on her back that looked very similar. They were each about three and a half centimeters uh, from each other. So it was like a dot and then a dot three and a half centimeters from each other, one on her cheek. So there was dot dot on her cheek and then dot dot on her back. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, there was one detective who found that there was a stun gun uh, and the electrodes of said uh, stun gun were three and a half centimeters apart. And so mm -hmm. it, I don't believe that it was one that was in the house. It was just like the one that was on the market. And they were like, well, must be that she got uh, hit with a stun gun, which, to be honest, the bruises look like they come from like a taser. That's okay. what it looks like. Uh, but otherwise, there's there's no evidence necessarily that the stun gun was used. It's just that's what those bruises look like. Um, let's see. From the moment that the 911 phone call was made, Patsy and John were uncooperative uh, with the investigation. In the first formal police interview that Patsy had with the with the cops, which was actually four months after John Bonet died, she criticized police for only focusing on her family as murderers, sucks murder suspects. <laughs> so I have a quote from Patsy, and I'm gonna read it to you just the way that she said it. She said, I didn't do it. John didn't do it. We don't have a clue of anybody who did it. Go back to the damn drawing board. It's very hard to be here, but it's damn sight harder to be sitting at home in Atlanta, Georgia, um, wondering every second of every day what you guys are doing out here. And I can't stand the thought of thinking that somebody's out here walking on the street. God knows they <gasps> might do it yeah. again to some other child. Mm. Quit, uh, Quit screwing around and asking me about things that are ridiculous and let's find the person who did this. That's fair. It is fair, I, but I God suppose. Damn it. But it's it's at the same time, it's very suspicious. Where it's yeah. like, I didn't do it. John didn't do it. Fuck we don't all know of y'all. I can't believe go, you. Yeah, go back yeah. to the fucking drawing board. Like, I don't know. It's very just defensive. It's strange. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So the Boulder Police Department consider Patsy and John 
prime suspects obviously Mm -hmm. in the cops opinion they were the only ones in the house aside from burke their nine-year-old son sure uh the police department made it clear that they didn't want any outside agency uh including the fbi they didn't want anybody else involved they wanted to handle it on their own the boulder police department they wanted to handle it and i in my personal opinion it's because they knew that they didn't have sufficient staff to secure the crime scene and they didn't want any other agency to be like you guys fucked up like we already know bad so they just want to push everybody out and just be like we'll handle it we'll handle it we'll handle it it's okay you know (sighs) great so the police department made it clear that they didn't want help from anybody, but Ron Walker, he was an FBI special agent that was originally assigned to the case. Um, and the lead Boulder police detectives on the case said, Oh wait, hold up. Oh, he was told Ron Walker. He was told not to get involved by Boulder police commander, John Eller. He was like, Hey, I know you came all the way out here. I know that you came out here to see what was going on and help, but like you could just go ahead and go home. Hmm. Like, all right. So Steve Thomas, he was a lead Boulder police detective on the case. This is what he believes happened. And like I said, lead detective on the case. He made this as a public statement. This was wrong. I cannot believe that a lead detective on an investigation came out and publicly made this statement while this was ongoing. I don't I don't even know how fair of an argument it is. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, but I just want to preface it that this is just his opinion as to what happened, but there's not a whole bunch of evidence to back it up. Mm. So Steve Thomas says, quote, at a press conference, I believe that John Bonet awakened after wetting the bed, as in, as indicated by the plastic sheets and urine stains on her bed. And I never believed that the child was sexually assaulted for the gratification of the offender, but the vaginal trauma was some type of corporal punishment. <gasps> One of the doctors that we consulted cited, quote, toiletry issues as textbook example of causing parental rage. So my hypothesis there was that some sort of explosive encounter in the child's bathroom. I believe John Bonet was slammed against a hard surface, such as the edge of a bathtub, inflicting a mortal head wound. She was unconscious, but her heart was still beating. Patsy wouldn't have known that John Bonet was still alive because the child already appeared to be dead. It was the critical moment where she had to either call for help or find an alternative explanation for her daughter's death. Mm. that is what the lead detective on this case came out publicly said this isn't necessarily what happened it's just what he said and he said it publicly i just want to make that clear so oh i did it again that isn't that like really rare that the detectives will come out and say what they think 
That's you weird. wouldn't you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. want to do that. You can jeopardize the case by doing stuff. That's like that. what I meant. Like what? That's so bizarre. Someone's weird with the police. Um, uh huh. And and see, like Thomas, he's he told Schiller, the guy who like did wrote the book and mm-hmm. and is doing this documentary. He said, if the DA would only let me put her in jail for any reason i know that a jail cell will break her and make her confess to everything and he was referencing patsy he was saying if i can put the mom in jail for any reason if i can get her in a jail cell i know that she will confess to everything this is not how good detectives work you go based off of evidence you don't go based off of opinion hunch, yeah. you don't start with the conclusion and try and 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 make the story based yes. off of the conclusion. Right. You have to use the evidence to make the story. Right. Because right. that's what the facts would be. Putting the horse before the fucking cart, man. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. exactly what that is. Yes. Hmm. This is just crazy from start to fucking finish. I know. So on December 26th, um, John and Patsy should have been separated and got uh, interrogated, period. There should have been a full signed statement from each of them in a separate room. Once the cops got there, they should have s- separated them yeah. and they should have gotten statements from them and had them Absolutely. fucking sign it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One, There was one unknown shoe print found in the basement. This is the second piece, or I, I think you remember earlier, I was talking about there's two pieces of small evidence that make you think that there was somebody else involved. One was the the drop of blood uh, that was not DNA related to anybody in the house. The other is the shoe print that was unidentifiable. Mm-hmm. The police department genuinely failed security of the scene for evidence. Boulder police believes that the parents did it from the jump. Some of the Boulder police uh, uh, DAs did believe that there was an intruder, and some of them did believe that the parents did it. So Mm. it was just a mixed match. Um, August 6th of 1998, a tabloid comes out that Steve Thomas, the lead detective uh, on the case, was quitting the one who made that statement about like Patsy what? knocking her head on the back on the bathtub and all that stuff. Shit. That guy comes out, tabloid comes out that he's resigning. Hmm. Um, quote, DA office continued to mishandle the Ramsey case. Opinions of national experts were casually dismissed or ignored. FBI was waved aside, advised, and I was advised not to speak to certain witnesses. Five weeks after this guy resigns, the grand jury meets to start to hear the evidence of the case to see if there can be any charges filed against anybody. Sure. So Lou Smith, he's a crime detective hired by the DA to investigate if an intruder was responsible for the murder. He resigned almost immediately. That guy, it was like there was videos of him walking through the house. He resigned almost immediately. Hmm. He insists um, that Patsy and John are innocent and, quote, a very dangerous uh, killer is still out there. Hmm. Okay. Why'd you resign them? That's 
Mm. Yeah. Smith also said, quote, I left mainly because I've seen injustice here and a great deal of it. You can either go along with it or you can be quiet and not say anything about it. Or you can just get off the truck and let them drive a truck where it might go. Huh. But if you thought that there was injustice being done against Patsy and John, why wouldn't you stick around to, to make the case for them? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So over That's the next year, the grand jury, they hear testimony and they see all of the evidence in the case. Some of that evidence includes the pineapple. And anybody who knows this case knows about the fucking pineapple. There was a bowl of pineapple in milk found on the dining room table. Come to find out, John Bonet's favorite dessert was pineapple and milk. The cops originally thought that this bowl of pineapple and milk was actually cereal on on the dining room table, but it wasn't. And pineapple, undigested pineapple, was found in John Bonet's stomach. But Patsy and John both are adamant that she did not eat pineapple that night and they're the ones that put her to bed you know they were with her all night they and they're adamant that she did not have pineapple that day the coroner sees pineapple in her stomach contents from a few hours before she died so it was undigested yeah uh so did she wake up and then she had pineapple or did her the intruder who tried to kidnap her feed her pineapple like what what's going on what i can tell you is that on that bowl of pineapple on the dining room table is three sets of fingerprints patsy john benet and burke Uh, that's it so why is that the hill that they're trying to die on we didn't give her pineapple I don't know. That's it's, weird. And you want to know all of what? this is weird. Let me just say, okay, I didn't write this in my notes, but you sure. know what's fucking scary is like that makes me feel like it was almost premeditated because if her parents had something to do with it, wouldn't you just like yeah, how you do with animals? Like you, you know, you're gonna know what I'm talking about. When you know that you're going to put an animal to sleep, you know you're going to euthanize one of your pets. You might give them their favorite treat. Yeah. Before you euthanize them. <gasps> Sam, oh my God. Do you really think Did, maybe that? Uh, girl, it was her God. favorite dessert. And the only people's fingerprints on it were, were her mom's and her brother's and hers. Another theory. Mm. I said that I wasn't going to get into this, but. I want to get into another theory. theory is that fucking Burke was in the kitchen. She came downstairs, took a piece of pineapple out of his bowl and ate it. And he lost his shit and hit her upside the head that over a piece of pineapple. I don't know, it. dude. I don't know. What? Well, okay. What if she, what if the cop was, Kind of on to something about maybe there was abuse going on at home. The mom went a little too far. Oh, she woke up. Oh, mommy hit your head a little too hard. 
you know i, I wouldn't uh, be surprised nothing would surprise me at this point that is just but in my all i know is that in my personal opinion at the very least her parents were involved that's oh, my yeah. opinion that's my opinion that's my opinion all right definitely let's see <clears throat> so Police department, they look at the crime scene photos to find the pineapple bowl on the dining room table that they thought originally was cereal with milk. We talked about this. It was like the intruder came in and ha- and gave gave the kid pineapple that he's trying to, to kidnap. And then he, yeah. he the intruder gave her pineapple, also wrote a three-page ransom note, also murdered her in the house, and got out of the house without anybody. Sounds like two people were trying to come up with a cover story, and uh-huh. they weren't matching up. None of that makes any sense. Not at There's all. There's no way that you would attempt to kidnap a child, give them a whole mini meal, mm-hmm. write a three-page page long ransom note, Craft a garrote, a whole murder weapon, murder her, mm-hmm. and get out of the house before anybody knew that there was anything going on. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So let's see. So, this case, wow. Why was John Bonet not found when Fleet White went into the wine cellar searching the house the first time? So remember, I told you that Fleet White and John and uh, John Bennett were uh, they searched twice. They yes. searched once, and then they searched again after the phone call didn't come through. So when Fleet White was searching in the basement and in the wine cellar, he stood at the threshold of the doorway. So it's the wine cellar is at the end of a narrow hallway. And he stood at the threshold and there is a light behind him, just like how there's a light behind me Mm -hmm. in this hallway. If there was a door in front of me that was that there was no light in and I'm six feet tall and I'm standing up and I open this door and this room is dark and I'm standing up. My body is going to block this light that's coming from behind me. Right. So I'm not going to be able to see clearly into this room. Right. So he opens the door. He sees nothing because the light isn't shining through. He turns around. He walks away. But the second time that they're searching the house and John says, we're going to the basement. Remember I said that? (laughs) We're going to the basement. And he walks into the wine cellar. And instead of stopping at the doorway, he actually walks into the wine cellar because he knows where the light switch is in that room. And then that ambient lighting comes through the threshold because he is no longer in the doorway and boom there's john benet's body uh, uh, uh. Hmm. Hmm. so uh let's see so was her body there the that entire time or was her body randomly dropped off there while all of these people were in the house her body had to have been there and yes. she had would have had to been dead since the cops showed up. Remember, Patsy called at 5.52 in the morning. So we mm-hmm. know that the cops got there early in the morning. And her body wasn't found until a little after 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. So I was like, are you going to try and tell me that somebody came in while all of this was going on and just dropped her body there? No. 
I'm so confused. I know. Wow. I know. It doesn't wow. make any fucking sense. It doesn't make any so, goddamn sense. The grand jury, they heard all of the evidence of the case. They delivered a written decision of their findings to the DA, Alex Hunter. And Alex Hunter made a public statement saying that there were no charges that were going to be filed because there wasn't enough sufficient evidence to charge anyone with anything. Mm. Now, this written decision by the grand jury, it's called a true bill. It And it wasn't publicly known that it was only against the Ramses. This, this, whole thing that the grand jury was looking at it was directed solely at the ramses now at the end of the day the grand jury can make their decision on what they think should happen Mm -hmm. and no matter what they say the da can still go forward with pressing charges if the Mm -hmm. da wanted to right Mm -hmm. so in 2013 these written findings become public This is not that long ago. And it says, quote, on or between December 25th and December 26th, 1996, John Bennett Ramsey and Patsy Ramsey did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly, and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation which posed a threat of injury Mm. to the child's life or health, which resulted in the death of John Benet Ramsey. That is what that document said. Mm. But the DA thought that that wasn't enough to charge them with murder manslaughter child abuse child negligence the jury found that they unlawfully knowingly recklessly feloniously permitted a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation which posed a threat of injury to the Mm -hmm. child's life or health which caused her death Mm -hmm. and the da said meh not enough oh my god not enough evidence Wow. And this was, this quote is specifically about account of child abuse in the court documents. It was about uh, an account of child abuse resulting in death. Mm-hmm. Quote, they also, quote, rendered assistance to a person knowing the person being assisted has committed and was suspected of the crime of murder in the first degree and child abuse resulting in death. I'm not exactly sure who they're referring to, but it's like Patsy and John helped somebody knowing that that person killed a child. Weird. Weird. But throughout these documents, it doesn't say that they're directly responsible for her death. It just says that choices that they were made and negligence resulted in her death. So the DA believes that this isn't enough evidence to charge them with anything. So at the end of the day, the main reason why this case remains unsolved is because of the lack of police efforts to secure the scene. Mm. 
Mm. Because if there was enough evidence, supposedly, to the DA, then it wouldn't have been of question. Now, I went through all of my notes and there's, like I said, there's several different conspiracy theories and I don't really want to get into it. It's it's a whole lot. Everybody has their opinions. But what I can say is based off of my opinion, I know that those parents had something to do with it. Specifically oh, I Patsy. I agree. Definitely. I don't put it past John either, but specifically Patsy, I believe that she had something to do with it. I, I really, I don't want to say my opinion other than what I've already said, but I really feel like the abuse oh. came, the, 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 the conspiracy that there was abuse going on in the home, especially if you look into mm-hmm. children wetting their beds. Have you heard about that? Oh, absolutely. You, I talked like about that with Danny last sign. night. And it's, that's a, that's a, that's a fact. It's a telltale sign oh, of yep. abuse in the home. I so talked about that with Danny really last bad. night too. <gasps> Oh my God, that makes uh, it's a telltale sign of essay. Oh my God, yeah, I know. I just and so like um, when you think about it like that, mommy probably made a mistake and wanted to cover it up. Daddy's got big money, so they called someone to come do the job and make it look like somebody else took care of it. Is something like that, or a Danny's, <laughs> Danny's personal belief is that they were they were the pockets run deep with the police department. Oh, hell yeah. They've got that's, them in the back fucking pocket. That's what he believes. Is they that, are like, dumber than a fucking doornail. Dude, like, let's, <laughs> in the, let's have one guy come in. Okay, that was already mistake number one. Number two mm. is not enough. There was literally one what, one cop there, one detective. And they're like, yeah. let's look. Y'all see her? You know? And then we're Ooh. also going to tell the FBI special agent that actually showed up for us. We're going to tell yeah. him, hey, go ahead, go home. Don't worry about it, guys. Everything's cool. Uh-uh. No. I bet you they got there and somebody paid a little bit of money. It was like, cha-ching. Y'all don't uh, say a word. Hey, buddy, y'all go home. No worries. We got it covered. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like Odd and Untold said, yep, all circumstantial evidence at this point. Totally true. It's like if you think about the fact that her body was originally found in the wine cellar in the basement, it was moved into the foyer and then it was moved into the living room. Yeah. They could have still preserved a lot of evidence even if they moved her body to the foyer. Right. Mm-hmm. And even when they moved her body to the living room, mm-hmm. everybody was walking across the rug that her body was laid on in the foyer the fucking five other people that are not the police and not her parents are walking across this rug that her body was laid on in the foyer yeah any evidence that could have come off of her body off of her clothing off of the rope any dna evidence was literally literally trampled over mm-hmm. because they everybody was walking all over it nobody gave gave a fuck as far as it being on purpose like them accidentally covering up the scene or whatever. I don't know if they were just doing that on purpose or if that was all like an accident. Me either. I, I don't know. That makes me question, but I definitely feel like somebody did this on purpose. Like this was a mistake from someone that knew her mom, maybe. Yeah. I My gut tells me it's mom, but who fucking knows? Yeah. I have a, I have a very strong feeling that her mom had something to do with it. And what a what a fucking bitch. Who 
who kills their kid? Who does that? I don't know. There's just too much that points to her parents. And, I and like I said, there's there's a lot of conspiracies. And I know that Burke, uh, Burke Ramsey, the brother, he in the past couple of years has gone on to Dr. Phil and done interviews. Yeah. Uh, and it's very unsettling. Um, Doesn't he smile the whole time? The entire time. Oh. Like when I'm telling you, you know the movie Smile. Like we we talked about this last week, where they're sitting there like this. No, I don't. That's like how that. he sits there and talks. That's how he sits there and talks the entire time. It's very weird. But I've also heard people say it's like, you know, he was nine years old. He was nine years old and went through this trauma of his of his sister being brutally murdered. Mm. You'd think that that would fuck you up, right? Yeah. Would it fuck you up enough to just be like smiling and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is just like, yeah. And I'm recounting everything that happened. There's got to be some I, level. It of makes sense. But yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I'm not trying to take up for him. Listen, I'm not no, taking up for it, fucking anybody in this plausible. case. It's plausible. Because when you think about what like the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to you. I'm sure that, and a lot of Americos, we've been able to recount our trauma with a straight yeah. face. Oh, Can for you sure. imagine growing up and having your sibling the entire time you're growing up? That is the greatest mystery of, you know, all in America at that time. I, I remember no. seeing it on the fucking um, TV when it was coming out. I, re- I, I remember. Know. And my mom was like, yeah, I, it happened when I was pregnant with you. It was awful. <gasps> oh, yeah. my God. She would have been pregnant with me for about a month at that point. I think, but anyway, really, yeah, because yeah, I was I was five when you were born. Yeah, I was born in July '97. So what does that mean? Yeah, what November of '96? So then, boom, right? Yeah, 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 She yeah. got pregnant with me. That was all oh over the news. Oh my god! Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hi, hi, Greta. <laughs> Welcome, everyone's coming. <clears throat> Greta Van Fleet. Greta Van Fleet? <laughs> question mark. <laughs> you guys have been awesome in um, the chat tonight, by the way. Yeah, I, I'm really sorry that I haven't been able to, like, read all of the comments, um, but I actually am going to go back and I'm going to read them. But We appreciate um, when you guys send in your, your opinions and everything. And I, I love hearing – I love the fact that there is so much more detail going on in the comments over here because, like, I, I started this video saying mm-hmm. – um, starting this this episode of the podcast is that, like – and know that there's a lot of conspiracy and I know that there's uh, stuff that I didn't touch on, but I wanted to intentionally consolidate the case and mm-hmm. condense it into what's the important evidence. And like, yeah, there are like other smaller things that I didn't include, but I just wanted to get the bulk of the evidence out there for this case. And I and I hope that I did well, you guys. I, I'm going to be honest here. Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've done true crime. You last time I did true crime, Sam. Thanks. You did great. The last time that I did true crime, I did Madeline McCann, and I was about eight months pregnant. Yes. And that case, doing that case was really, really, really hard for me. Mm-hmm. It made me really depressed. And that was actually the last episode that I was on before I took my maternity leave mm-hmm. because I told Katie, I was like, you want to know what? I can't. I'm done. I can't. I was like, that, that, that fucked me up honestly. Um, so it's been quite, uh, the experience coming back to true crime, uh, and trying to do it in a shorter amount of time than what I normally did because, you know, 
prior to this, I would do two, two and a half hour true crime episodes. Um, Oh my gosh. No, no, no. There is, there is so much more. I know that there is so much more and, and I really appreciate the compliment. We are totally aware. And I, I think I said earlier today or yesterday and today you were like i know there's a lot that goes into i mean 26 years of opinions conspiracies and documentaries and who knows what i mean it's all there available for y'all to go check out but this was the basic fact of the case and i yeah and i told katie i don't know if i said it on here but i think i said like the potential to do a part two on john benet is totally there definitely like i could deeper dive into it bitch we could go on ug mug monday and talk about our opinions and all the other conspiracies mm. bitch <laughs> don't fucking try us we'll do it <laughs> yeah don't test me test don't me test me <laughs> test me wait we gotta tell them okay so now that the true crime is over so you guys gotta know something we started a tradition this year about yeah giving each other inside joke or crazy ornaments yeah so that way instead of just having ornaments from like our parents or our childhood we're building new mm-hmm. ones and um sam got me a tom and jerry uh <laughs> custom-made <laughs> ornament to signify that one stream that y'all probably don't even know what the fuck it's in the about. intro it's, in the, it's, it's in literally the in the intro it's the whoa like I can't, i'm not gonna fucking do it <laughs> Okay, but Don't wait oh my me. god, I sent her the cat, the tune meow schools. I wish I could you look up a picture of him? Yeah, they're not gonna know what the it's fuck I'm so funny about. because we were trying to keep it secret <laughs> as to what our ornaments were going yes. to be. I was but like, I need to, see, I, I found it was the last Katie and I one were in on Target. I was like, give me that. That's the cat that I always play with when I'm playing Fortnite with Sam, and that was the one that I was using when I screamed that night. So it's so funny because we did oh, wait, pretty good on. this year. Joey and Danny haven't gotten theirs yet. Or Joey hasn't gotten his yet. Danny has gotten it, but they have not given it to each other. Yeah, Joey's okay, having me... a hard time. Really? Yes. He's like, I don't know what to do. He's in the oh. other room talking it. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Test me. Test me. Test me. <laughs> I told you, guys, you to test me. <laughs> oh my god. I wish I could pull up. Why am I grabbing my boob? <laughs> I'm me. I have not been wearing a bra this whole episode. I've just been hanging out, bitch. Hanging. I'm grabbing my boob because it's so funny. It's that, you guys, that's the reason why at the end of the intro, every week you hear wow, wow. And I know and we're gonna get reviews one day. They're like, their intro is so annoying. I don't get so it. <laughs> let me just give a fucking rundown of what that uh what that was please do so danny katie joey and our friend bill were playing <laughs> fortnite and we were streaming it and katie comes up to danny who's streaming and is like test me yeah i said test i'm gonna me. send and, you a link to the video we should just repost it on instagram <laughs> Yes. Wait, can you send me a link? Send I it sure to my email. can. I'm going to send it to your email. Hold on. I'm going yeah, on yeah. our TikTok right now and grabbing <laughs> it, but keep going. Keep send going. It. No, no, no. Just send it to me. I'll just fucking play it. Oh, okay. Let's see. Okay. I have it on the podcast account here. I wish I could show you what I'm looking at. Wait a who minute. Watch, who who listened to Ugg Mug Mondays this week? Raise your hand if you listen to Ugg Mug Mondays. If you didn't, it's okay. You still have time. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. okay. This week was okay. a little. It was a little tough, but uh, next week won't won't be so. You did uh, heavy. Beautiful. Always beautiful. Always. Ah, I so think I found it. Me. 
Yes, yes, yes. Send it to me. Send it to me. Because uh, I want to fucking play it. This is, you guys don't even have any idea how special <laughs> this video is to us and like how silly it is to us. Because anytime that our intro plays, anytime that I have a smile on my face when, when the podcast starts, it's because of that ending clip. <laughs> All right. I'm emailing it right now. Let's see. Paste. There you go. Email it to me. Email that Email bitch. It to me. Let's see. Did I get it? Nope. Why am I still getting emails from what to expect when you're expecting? Because you're fuck expecting. It. Hell the fuck. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm on my period, bitch. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Hold like on. Let me thing. actually pull it up before. That I, is the one uh, nice thing about pregnancy. I will give it no fucking period. Yeah, that's true. Mm. <laughs> did it show up yes i'm trying to pause it that's me <laughs> how do you the, do the that? black eyes <laughs> all right the i'm gonna show ears. you guys this is gonna be such a good way to end this uh this episode okay here we Classic go wait real. not the miscellaneous doc <laughs> here we go trick or treat motherfucker come here oh that was you come here Oh, this is the shit out of me. Test me. <laughs> test me. <laughs> yeah, I told you to test me. Did you go down? Jerry, when he stubbed his toe. Oh, there's Danny. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> When Goofy yells, trick or treat, motherfucker! Trick or treat, motherfucker! You can literally hear Danny laughing, which is like so rare. I had tears in my eyes that night. God damn it! I love our Fortnite streams. I remembered that you woke up Sunny because you were doing that. I did. She was like, oh my God. Yeah. If y'all don't already know, we have a gaming channel. I just haven't uploaded our fucking streams to it yet, but it's still on the podcast account. Yeah. So if you want to watch any of our Fortnite streams, keep in mind, they are stupid. As They're hell. outrageous. They're, They're so, so fucking silly. funny. We played the Sims. We played uh, Outlast, Outlast 2. We played, Those are what scary is the name games. of the one that we're playing? Visage is what Visage. we're playing Visage. Right it's literally the creepiest fucking one we played so far. So if you guys are interested in yeah. that kind of stuff. Go check us out. We're oh, gonna have to actually. Up. We're gonna have to play that this weekend. Oh my god! Yeah, it's 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 our weekend for massage. Yeah, massage. A yeah. massage. A massage. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, you did beautiful. I love you I'm, so much, David. Said, oh, thank you, thank you so much, David. Said I meant to ask you if you've played the new season of Fortnite and what you think of it. I haven't. <gasps> I have. I haven't really gotten into it yet, though. I only played one round. So oh. maybe I'll have to play tonight. We we gotta get back into the ritual game. tonight. Yeah, we do. I'm yeah, doing you're doing the manifestation you're... tonight. So full moon. You, it's a solstice moon? ritual. Solstice, whatever, whatever the moon wants to do is okay with me. I'm gonna get my crystals. <laughs> I'm gonna get some sage. I'm gonna get my jars out. 
maybe I'll do some astral projection. I don't know. Oh God, here we go. Hey, I'm gonna I, be, hey, I'm gonna be getting fucking Marcos till three a.m. Test and- me. <laughs> I told you to test me. <laughs> You're silly. I love you, and I love you guys. I love you too. I love you guys in the chat. Thank you guys for all being here. We'll see you Monday. Bye. See ya, bye. Oh wait a minute. Hold wait, the wait. fuck on. Beep beep. There's a giveaway. Oh, oh, and we're not coming I, next week. Bitch, I lied to you. Oh, but we will coming. be on Hug Mug Mondays. If you go to our Instagram <laughs> tomorrow morning. Forgot. I did too. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> tomorrow morning, because I don't feel like doing it tonight. We're doing a giveaway. It goes live tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. I'm setting it on a schedule. And reminder, it will be on Instagram and Facebook alone. But we'll be doing the giveaway announcement what christmas day christmas eve question mark one of the two yeah. i'll decide tomorrow yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know you, yet you it'll decide. be within the week <laughs> it'll yeah be within the but week. we're gonna be doing a giveaway and we're gonna be it's gonna be for a 20 dollar twenty dollar gift cards and there's two chances to win not four two two twenty dollar <laughs> gift cards to starbucks and a mug rules and you get a Two Ghouls podcast mug. It's solid black with our logo on the front. Mm. You guys will like it. It's not the vintage. It's not the original. It's not it the vintage one. Cup. Those aren't sold anymore. <laughs> There's only we 10. We don't have these cups, um, but they're cute as fuck. Yeah, they um, are really cute. Black cups with the green. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys will love it. Uh, so, yeah. Be on the lookout for that on our Instagram. You can follow us at Two Ghouls Podcast literally everywhere that you social lies. And that's it. Okay. Now we're done. No, okay. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs>